Welcome to the online ministry of the sermons at Coastal Community Church, and we are so grateful you took time to, to watch the sermon. One of the things that uh, we have a deep conviction of here at Coastal Community Church is that this online sermon that you're downloading or streaming is, is, a, is a supplement to your spiritual growth, and we, we think it's real important that you're a part of a local church. So uh, even as you watch this sermon, and I hope it encourages you and challenges you, uh, I hope that you'll find a local church. Uh, if you live in the Hampton Roads area, I hope that you'll consider checking out Coastal Community Church. We have three services on Sunday morning, uh, 8.15, 9.45, and 11.15. And uh, so we'd love for you, for you to join us at one of those services. I do want to introduce our new sermon series uh, that we're doing. We're taking some time going through 1 Timothy. We entitled the series Guarding the Gospel. And uh, the Apostle Paul uh, mentors a young pastor, Timothy, uh, and he talks to him about how to establish a church so that the gospel of Christ can be guarded in a sense that it's pure uh, and kept true and so that it can be um, brought to a lost and dying world. So I hope you'll enjoy this series through Timothy, Guarding the Gospel. Well, good morning, Coastal Community Church. You get another week of me. They are in Honduras. Two-thirds of our pastoral staff is in Honduras, and they'll be coming home on Monday, so pray. Pray. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, wow, that's a lot of people that are gone, so we really need to pray. And um, they're having a great time. They're doing some great ministry, and uh, it's because of your support to Coastal Community Church and the mission of Coastal Community Church. We got to build an orphanage over there, and uh, there's a group going over that left on Saturday, and uh, they'll be there this week as well, so we need to continue to pray for those two weeks. Played cornhole on Thursday with the men. Some of you were there. And um, I got whooped. Um, in fact, my son was so much better than I was. Uh, it was kind of embarrassing. And uh, he was like, man, Dad, you didn't do very well. And I was like, I, I know, son. It's like the house is on fire. And my son's standing next to me going, Dad, the house is on fire. And I go, yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious. And um, he was just kind of, he was kind of laying it out there for me. Um, but we had a great time. And... Um, I've got 364 days now, or 363 days now, until I play cornhole again and uh, get embarrassed. Um, let's get into the good stuff. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. We're continuing on with our series called Guarding the Gospel. And um, Pastor Sean uh, basically said, hey, I want you to preach on this, and I'm going to go to Honduras. So uh, get ready. Um, I, think, I think God has something to say to us this morning. And um, the entire, this passage here is, are we desiring God or desiring attention? And the Apostle Paul kind of moves towards women as he starts off with men and then he moves towards women. But let's read this together. Um, not together, we'll read it and you guys read along with it um, quietly and we will listen to what the Lord has to say to us this morning. So wherever you are assembled, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Verse 9, and I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way that they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Women should, learn, women should listen and learn quietly and submissively. Thank you, Pastor Sean. Let's pray. 
Precious Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is truth and that we are not going to shy away from preaching the entire word of God. We believe every word in this book, Lord God, your word, Father God. And we ask, Lord God, that you would teach it to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord God, that all of our, our, our twinges and, and frustrations, Lord God, and misunderstandings about this passage, Lord God, would kind of melt away, Lord God, and you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord God, and minds and souls to understand. Lord Jesus, we know that, God, you are the one that does all things well, and so teach us, Lord God, in a way that would be well to our soul, Father. Lord God, and as always, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name. Amen. We preach the word of God here at Coastal Community Church, and so as we're going through 1 Timothy, we're not going to skip over it, but we are going to deal with these passages of Scripture as the word of God gives them to us. And I want to begin by Romans 12, 1 and 2 by kind of setting this up, and because this is an important understanding as we kind of, in the context and the way we want to see this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Apostle Paul is instructing Timothy here from this passage of Scripture. And he's instructing them in the, the, the idea of corporate worship. When you come together in corporate worship... Now, at Coastal Community Church, it's extremely important for us to understand that corporate worship is not something that we come to when we feel like, but it's this idea of the lifeblood and body of the church coming together and worshiping Jesus Christ. And there were some problems that were taking place in corporate worship, and the Apostle Paul was teaching Timothy, hey, this is how you deal with them. This is how you get to deal with what's going on. And he began with the men. And in verse 8, it says, so whenever you assemble the corporate worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. Why? Well, because he said this, free from anger and controversy. Men were creating controversy and stirring up anger. There was strife. There was fighting that was taking place. Now remember, Timothy's a young pastor here, and he's, and he's the young pastor of the church of Ephesus. And so there was some strife that was going on. And so Paul is instructing Timothy and saying, listen, men, this is what I want you to do. Be free from anger and controversy. Then in corporate worship, the apostle Paul now turns and addresses the women to Timothy. This is how I want you to instruct women. And he says, and I want women to be modest in their appearance. Now, this is going to rub some of us in a way that's going to be countercultural to what our culture teaches. Because the idea is that in this world, our, our Christianity sometimes doesn't fly very well. 
The Bible says, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, the world will hate you. And we don't want them to hate us for the wrong reasons. It's okay if they hate us for the right reasons, though. It's the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the grave. That we, by faith, receive Jesus into our life because we need him to save us. We can't save ourselves. This flies countercultural to what's going on in the world. In fact, Jesus said, listen, guess what? But be of good cheer. Just know this, that they hated me first. And what did they do with Jesus? They put him on the cross. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, we at Coastal Community Church believe this Bible. And not just, in, not just the Bible, but we believe the fact that God has something to say to us that's alive in the word of God. And so as we look at this Bible, we can look at it and say, okay, God, help us to understand it in the proper context. Help us to understand this and what you're trying to teach Timothy so that how we can apply it in our lives today. And so here, as we look at we look at this idea that Paul is teaching Timothy to guard the gospel. And in the area of corporate worship, he, he addresses men and then he goes and he starts to address women. And this is what he says, the appearance of a godly woman. There's three things that Paul wants to teach Timothy in instructing women. And the first one is in the appearance of godly women. And this is what he begins with. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, decent and appropriate clothing in proper settings. Decent and appropriate clothing in proper settings. Isaiah 61.10 says that women on their wedding day are to wear jewels. The Apostle Paul's not saying, don't wear jewels. The Apostle Paul's saying is when you come to church in corporate worship, you need to not be a distraction to those that are there. Think of like Hunger Games, the, the, the opulence. Think of the, the, the huge dresses and the, and the hair of, of women wearing prom dresses and having their hair. Now in the 1960s, my mom, she was in high school and she had a beehive. I mean, she was, she's five foot eight, but she was six foot four with the beehive. And, and I looked at the pictures, and sure enough, there it was. I said, how did you sleep, Mom? She said, very carefully. And the idea was that you would have your hair, and you would stick it up. And, 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 I, and I was thinking about that this week as I was looking at this, because it wasn't just the appropriate clothing that was distracting, but he was saying that the hair was distracting. Now, I'm not saying a beehive is distracting, or whatever they call it, you know. Some of you maybe may remember those times when maybe you wore one. <laughs> Okay, but it's this idea that God wants women to appear in the appearance of godly women. The, the appearance, he's talking about decent, appropriate clothing, and he's talking about hair adorned in a way that does not distract. Distract from what? Distract from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that more attention will be paid to you than to Christ, it's this idea that when you come into a situation and you see, uh, you, you see everything that's going on here on Sunday morning, that our attention is to be drawn to Jesus Christ. 
We sing songs to him. We worship him. We make much of him. We give money to him. Our attention and focus is to be on Christ and Christ alone. And what's happened is in the early church, you had these women coming in wearing these prom dresses, having their hair adorned in big, big, flashy ways, and very looking, having people say, look at me. When in the reality, it should be, we should be adorning ourselves in a way that would say, look at Jesus. Phileo is a first century Jewish philosopher. And he wrote in his writings, first century now, he described a prostitute in his day when he wrote this. Now, this guy was not, as far as we know, a follower of Jesus Christ. But he said this. He said, she wore many gold chains and bracelets with her hair done up in elaborate and gaudy braids. Her eyes were marked with pencil lines. Her eyebrows smothered in paint. Interesting. She wore expensive clothes embroidered lavishly with flowers. This is the first century Jewish philosopher writing about a prostitute. And the Apostle Paul, it sounds kind of similar to what's going on. He's saying, listen, don't dress up. Now, understand this. Women weren't invited into places of worship in this time. They weren't allowed to own property. They weren't allowed to go to school. And they weren't allowed to study religion or philosophy. And so this is a very new thing for women to be able to come into corporate worship with men. And so the Apostle Paul is instructing women and saying, listen, don't come in. This isn't a fashion show. Don't draw attention to yourself. The idea is for you to come in and to worship God and to put all attention and focus upon God. Stop trying to get noticed. Stop trying to be a distraction. And so it's this idea of, look at 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. It says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. It's this idea of wearing the right clothes in the right setting. On your wedding day, first, uh, Isaiah 61.10, wear the jewels. In fact, the Song of Solomon 10, uh, 1, 10 and 11 talks about a woman adorning herself, her hair being done, her, her, her makeup being done, her being adorned for her husband. This is a beautiful and wonderful thing. I'm not saying that they should wear that, and neither is the Apostle Paul, but he's saying, listen, when you come to church, don't wear things that distract. Don't wear your hair in such a way that distracts. Stop trying to be noticed and take the attention away from God. My wife and I went to a movie um, a few years ago and we met one of her students. And one of her students came in and, um, and we were walking out of the movie theater and she walked up to us and she was a high school student, almost a woman. And my wife was a middle school teacher by trade and she taught history. And she came up and she said, Mrs. Oates, Mrs. Oates, it's so good to see you. And here's this woman in front of her. And my wife kind of looked at her and then recognized her as one of her former students. She said, Mrs. Oates, Mrs. Oates. And she was dressed in a very, very, I and mean, now we're from Florida. And so they didn't wear a lot of clothes in Florida. She was wearing even less. And she was, you know, I mean, basically barely covering herself. High heels, big hoop earrings. 
And she said, I wanted to tell you what I got in history in eighth grade. And so she told, she told, she said, I got an A. And then in ninth grade, I got an A. And then in 10th grade, I got an A. 11th grade, I got an A. And in 12th grade, now I'm in honors AP history and I'm getting an A and I just wanted you to know. So we exchanged pleasantries and my, my wife introduced me and we had a conversation. And then, she, she, then we walked, went our separate ways. My wife and I were talking and I said, you know what? I was, as I was watching and listening to the conversation, Holly, her, her, the way that she was dressed and what she was saying to you, what she was saying was notice me, notice me. Would somebody notice me and think I'm valuable, think I'm worth something? No, let me, I, I don't care. I'll take any attention that I can possibly get. And I was thinking about this story and I was thinking, man, of the story of Hagar and Abraham. And when God, Hagar leaves because she's being mistreated by Sarah and she's out in the desert and she's pregnant and an angel of the Lord comes to her and communicates something to her. And Hagar was alone and she was pregnant and she was feeling very, very unnoticed. And the angel of the Lord said to him, well, I said to her, I am El Roy, the God that sees. Translated, the God who notices. When we come in here, Coastal Community Church, men, we need to notice the women. Not in an ungodly way, but in a way that we notice them and look at them and hold them in high esteem and say, you are valuable. You are noticed. God sees you. God notices you. And, not, and, and women, we need to be looking at ourselves and not, under, and, and not trying to draw the wrong kind of attention. But looking and saying, this is how we're to act. Daughters, are you trying to be noticed any way that you can? There is a God who sees you and he notices you. Second is the attitude of godly women. He dealt with the appearance of godly women. In verses nine and 10, he deals with the attitude of godly women. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Verse 10, for women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things that they do. In verse 10, he's saying women who claim to be devoted to God. Some other translations say, but those who claim or those who speak devotion to God it's this idea that the attitude of a godly woman is just as important as the outward appearance of a godly woman in corporate worship. It's this idea that you're not trying to be seen, that this attitude of humility comes forth, that you're not trying to be seen to say, look at me, notice me. But you're looking and saying, look at Jesus, notice Jesus. Jesus. It's this idea that you're not trying to, the Apostle Paul is trying to convey to Timothy, not that, that you're trying to get out in the forefront so that all eyes are upon you, but you're saying all eyes need to be upon God. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that you need to look at. He's the one that can change and transform. Instead of wearing clothes in a way that says, notice me, notice me for the wrong reasons because I'll take what I can get. That's what our society does. That's what our society preaches. 
And the attitude of a godly woman is that of humility, not trying to be seen as to distract worshipers from God. Now think about this. A newly saved man, first century, comes into the church. The women are adorning themselves much like the prostitutes. A new believer comes in. He gets saved. He's coming to church. Maybe he hired some prostitutes. He sees the same, the women wearing the exact same clothes as the prostitutes. What's he to think? Think about the confusion that's probably being created in these men's mind. And all of a sudden, what happens? He's distracted when they're singing praise and worship songs because he's more concerned about her or he's looking at her in ways maybe he's struggling with impure thoughts towards her. And he's distracting from worshiping God. In Matthew 18, 6 and 7, Jesus said, these little ones... It's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck than you, to, than you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. The idea of a, a little one being a new believer in Christ. Don't distract from the things that God is doing by trying to draw attention to yourself. This attitude, second thing there is that of being self-controlled. What is he saying? He says, in modest appearance, for women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things that they do. This idea of keeping it under control, this self-controlled, your passions and others' passions around you are under control. My wife coined this phrase, and I think it's great. She said, men lust after women. Women sometimes lust to be lusted after. It's this idea that they want to be noticed so bad that they'll do anything to get that attention. Elroy sees you this morning. If you're a single woman here this morning and you're craving attention, God sees you this morning. And we want to see you in the right way, in the way that God, that makes us godly, that, 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 that having that right attitude. And sometimes you can wear the right clothes and have the wrong attitude. And so the Apostle Paul's not just dealing with the appearance, but he's also dealing with the attitude. Sexy's an attitude. Now, can you fully control other people's passions around you, ladies? No. But, you, but the Apostle Paul's saying, be mindful. Be mindful. Are you standing in front of the mirror saying, oh, this is gonna get these guys? or I'm gonna be the center of attention, or everybody's gonna be looking at me. Save that for your wedding day if you're single. If you're married, husbands, notice your wives in the right way. Notice them in the way that they need to be noticed. Philippians 2.5 says, you must have the same attitude of that of Christ Jesus, or that Christ Jesus had, that he was a servant, that he humbled himself, it's this right attitude, and it's not just for women, but it's for us as men as well, that we need to have this attitude. Daughters, are you desiring to gain all attention to yourselves and excite men with your looks and attitude? Or are you trying to be desirable because of the way that Christ, because of Christ and what he's done in and through you? Third thing that the Apostle Paul deals with is the actions of godly women. 
the appearance, the attitude, and the actions of godly women, verses 10 and 11. Now, for women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things that they do. That because Christ is in you and he's overflowing out of you, that the actions are going to follow. It's this idea that as I follow Jesus Christ, like as a, as a boat speeding down towards, the, towards a great fishing spot, the wake we leave behind are the good works. So that as we speed towards following Jesus Christ, the wake we leave behind are the good works. And so the Apostle Paul's saying, listen, those who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things that they do. So the Apostle Paul's here instructing women and saying that the actions of a godly woman need to be reflective of the gospel that's in their heart. And so what does that mean? The first one is speaking the words of devotion to God. Psalm 19, I say it every time before I preach, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's this idea that we have to speak words of devotion to God. That this is the outflow of God in our life, that what is coming out of our mouth is what's in our heart. And that our tongues should not be loose. Actions of godly women is to do good things for God. Well, what are good things? James 1.27, this is pure and undefiled religion that you care for the widows and orphans. That's why we as Coastal did this home in Honduras for the orphans. That's why if you're a single woman, a single mom here today, we want to care for you. That if you need babysitting, if you need anything, we want to serve you. Because that's the modern day widow. Matthew 25, 36 through 38. Jesus is talking and he says, hey, you know what? I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Godly actions, doing good things. Because Christ has so enveloped us that we would go and do what Christ has called us to do. And then letter C, learning and listening the word of God. Now, here's a really, really misunderstood verse. And it's a liberating verse. It's not a verse that is to shut down. Verse 11, women should listen and learn quietly and submissively. Everyone goes, ooh, oh. Okay, understand in the Roman Empire, women couldn't be in class. They couldn't study religion. They weren't allowed to read. They weren't allowed to write. They couldn't study religion or philosophy. They couldn't even own property. They were second-class citizens. And so the Apostle Paul's saying, I'm liberating you. This is how you're supposed to learn. I want to teach you how to, to act in the classroom. Now, men understood this because they were allowed to go to school. Women hadn't, weren't allowed to go to school, and all of a sudden now they're coming in and they're being taught religion for the first time in their lives. This is a liberating passage. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, listen, I'm trying to instruct you in how you act in the classroom. Teacher teaches, you listen. Don't come in as a know-it-all. Come ready to learn, hear, and accept the word of God. It's not that we master the word of God, but that the word of God masters our lives. And we have to have an empty cup and open hands to hear from God and so that God can put in us and teach us 
That's the idea that the Apostle Paul, so learning and listening to the word of God, not as a know-it-all. Proverbs 1.5, 1 Peter, Proverbs 1.5, it says this. It says, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it talks about craving the, the word of God like a newborn babe craves milk. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, because of the gospel in your life, that you should desire these things, but come with a teachable attitude and a teachable heart. Don't come trying to get the attention. Come to give the worship. Stop trying to be the center of attention, but to give attention. James 1.19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Daughters, are your words and actions aligned with your listening, learning, and applying the word of God? Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. This is kind of the crescendo for a godly wife. If you're a single woman here, listen, the apostle Paul honors and loves singleness. In fact, he says, I wish everybody would stay single because you can be more devoted to God. But you have to be okay then in, those, in, those, in that way as a single person for God to notice you and not men in an undesirable way. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, and I, I wanna read it. it. It bears reading. Because it's not the barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen woman that everyone says, ah, that's, just the, that's, what, that's what godly women are supposed to be like. That's not it at all. They, don't, they say that in their ignorance in their, of the word of God. And Solomon, many people think that Solomon's writing this about his mother. But listen to what's, what the author pens. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is worth more than precious rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She will not hinder him but help him all her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant's ship. She brings her food from afar, which means she's not at home barefoot and pregnant. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. This was convicting to me because it's like, men, get your wife a house cleaner. Amen, women? Amen. She has servant girls, man. I'm like, yeah, that was convicting for me. She goes out to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's entrepreneurial. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She watches for bargains. Her lights burn late into the night. She watches for bargains. My wife is good at that. She's good at spending money to save me money. Her lights burn late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household because all of them have warm clothes. She quilts her own bedspreads. She dresses like royalty in gowns of finest cloth. Her husband is well known for he sits in the council meeting with the other civic leaders she makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. I mean, what a woman. 
It's my wife. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs with no fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and kindness is the rule. When she gives instruction, she carefully watches all that goes on in her household and does not have to bear the consequences of laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. And then verse 30 Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. There it is again. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. These are actions of a godly woman. See, Proverbs 31, yes, we're looking at a a wife, but but let's pull it out. These, these attributes are awesome. It's the convergence of appearance, attitude, and actions in a godly wife or a godly woman. The Apostle Paul is instructing Timothy in this portion of 1 Timothy on how to identify and instruct godly women. And I think he leaves us, and this begs the question, does the way that we dress, ladies, not that I'm having that moment or anything like that, and carry yourself, send a message that is consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about the gospel. It's not about me. That's not, it doesn't matter what gender I am. It's all about me living for Christ. About a, the word of God mastering my life. And as we look at this passage of scripture and the apostle Paul is looking and instructing women in corporate worship, I think he has some things to say, but this doesn't make sense unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never received Jesus Christ, in fact, this is something that's countercultural. And so the the question then begs begs the question, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is this the instruction that you want to apply to your life, ladies? Have you received Jesus Christ? What's the gospel? The gospel is this. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the grave. And by faith we receive him into our life and he changes and transforms our thinking. so that we can be different than the world, so that we can provide a place for when people are completely destroyed by the systems and patterns of this world, that we stand in indifference, we stand in truth, we stand in love, so that they have a place to turn to. That's not like everything else in the world. We're not the world light. We are Christocentric or Christ-centered. We stand and believe truth, the truth of the word of God, and we follow Jesus Christ. But only those that have received Jesus Christ can do this. Only those that have a relationship with Jesus Christ can do this. Have you received Jesus Christ? If you haven't received Jesus Christ, very simply, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You ask God to forgive you for your sins and and you invite him into your life to be your Lord and your Savior. Which means I bow the knee to God and his word. And if he says it, I wanna do everything in my life 
to live out what the word of God says. I look at this passage of scripture and it is liberating. Because the apostle Paul's saying, listen, this is the way that we're to live in corporate worship. Men hold the women in this church in the highest esteem, hold the door for them, love them, respect them, honor them. This is the definition of a beautiful and godly woman. If you're a single man today, look for this type of woman. Redefine your definition of beautiful if you must. It's a woman that is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer. Precious Father, what a passage, Lord God, that you have given to us in your word, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that the women here, Lord God, would feel honored this morning, Lord. Would feel seen and noticed for their godliness and their godly actions. Lord Jesus, we know that's only possible through your son Jesus Christ and the receiving of the gospel. So I pray, Lord God, for those women that have been hurt by men, Lord God, in the church and in the world. And I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, you would come and you would see them and notice them and heal those wounds, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we love you, we need you. I pray, Lord God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that God, right now, they would call upon you. They would say, God, I receive you into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, rose from the dead. And I ask for forgiveness and I, I yield myself to you fully. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's truth and thank you that we can live our lives by it. Thank you, Lord God, for Coastal Community Church. Would you bless them, Father, in the hearing of your word. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen.